to the Free Thought Project podcast, Freethinkers. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project Editor-in-Chief, Matt Agarist. Today we have the one and only Sean Stone joining us. Sean's credentials could take up the entire podcast, so I'll just share some of his accomplishments with you. Sean is an American actor, a filmmaker, and a television host. He hosted a show on RT America for years called Watching the Hawks, and also an online show called Buzzsaw. He's also a published poet and writer. He studied at Princeton University in Oxford and is the son of the legendary filmmaker Oliver Stone. We talked to Sean mostly about his new series entitled Best Kept Secret, which is one of many documentaries he's worked on over the years. Welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast, Mr. Stone. It's uh, awesome to have you on. I've been looking forward to this conversation for, what, about a month now. So you're a very busy man. Um, it seems like you can't sit still for long. I've seen your work floating around the interwebs for different interviews you've done and, and podcasts you're on, and even your own work, um, which you know I want to talk about, the, the new six-part docuseries called The Best Kept Secret. But recently, you had a conversation with the legendary RFK Jr. on his Defender podcast, mm-hmm. uh, what, a few days ago. Can you tell us how that went and what you two intellectual powerhouses talked about? Oh, sure. I mean, it's been a few, it was a couple of weeks back now that we spoke. Uh, I recall we focused on, gosh, a few topics. I think first was the Ukraine and contextualizing um, Russia's uh, invasion. Um, and then we got into, uh, I eventually got into transhumanism. I don't remember everything because honestly, uh, I haven't listened to it since we, since we did it. And again, it's been a few weeks and I've talked to quite a few people since then. Yeah, that's certainly understandable. Now, he's been doing some amazing work lately and uh, his organization, um, you know, it, it, I think they're putting on an, another protest in L.A. And it's like a bunch of huge names. I mean, this guy, you know, he, he's doing some of the best work out there right now. Mm-hmm. So. That, that's great to hear that you you had a chance to sit down with him. So your new docuseries uh, called The Best Kept Secret touches on some very important topics, some very controversial topics, and what corporate media calls uh, conspiracy theories, such as MK Ultra, human trafficking, satanic politics, rampant pedophilia uh, in the upper echelons of society. A lot of the same stuff that we've covered over the years with the Free Thought Project as well. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing your high profile reputation and the attention that your work receives from mainstream media, uh, how do you respond to the critics who dismiss all of this as like a baseless conspiracy and, and try to kind of smear you and what you're trying to do with this work? Well, I haven't really seen those critics, um, in terms of the best kept secret, uh, we haven't been reviewed in any capacity by mainstream media, um, I think the closest that the mainstream media has gotten recently to me was uh, RT America being taken down, which actually I think was something that RFK Jr. and I talked about because he had been on RT America uh, quite a few times. You know, we actually had him as a guest on our show, watching the Hawks. um, And he appreciated obviously the, um, the fact that RT was willing to go into topics uh, and discuss, you know, have guests and discuss things that um, most of the so-called, you know, mainstream, like, call it lamestream media pretty much um won't touch upon so um the closest they came to mainstream came to talking about me recently was just our team in the context of rt america being being uh censored and all of our shows actually being taken off youtube all of the um i don't know countless hundreds hundreds of episodes of, of watching the hawks and interviews that i had done and the work that tyrell and tabitha had done over the years so and obviously you heard about chris hedges and others right all gone so that's like a, it's like, like the, it's a, not the burning of the uh, Alexandria Library, but I think there's a, there's a quality of that, right? When you get, when you erase things um, f- 
from the internet. And uh, it's important to back things up, have hard copies, uh, you know, books, all these things are really important. I think people have to remember that how much information we carry also within us just as, um, you know, as the experiencers, you know, we have to, we have to trust our intuition. We have to go, we have to keep an archive and a memory is so important. The art of memory is so important that we go forward and actually, um, you know, hold on to the things that we've learned and, and experienced and, and can relate to others. So um, in terms of the, uh, yeah, again, the mainstream media is mostly what they treat people like myself and RFK and Vivian Kubrick and others, you know, they treat us, uh, they, they, you know, they're silent for the most part, you know, occasionally they'll do a hit piece. Um, not, not on me in that case, it was, I've seen, you know, the, the, the Daily Beast has done their hit piece on Vivian and, you know, there's the occasional hit piece on, on Bobby, but usually it's not, they don't really attack the actual message for the most part, you know, yeah. um, for the most part, they attack the, the character or the individual in some way. It's uh, called ad hominem, I think, right there, where it's basically yes. like you focus on what, you know, oh, you don't wear the right clothing <laughs> you know you didn't show up to your wife's birthday party i don't know whatever they wanted to say about bobby the point being that um that it was like they they they, they choose they choose what they can snipe you at but when it comes to the best kept secret i mean the material we go through is um you know it's pretty much the cases that we present like the franklin scandal um the mk ultra program uh and then you know the more out there things would be people like Kathy O'Brien, you know, with her testimony and, you know, but she's been out there for what, three, three decades now telling the same story and, you know, relating her experiences. So, you know, I'm not here to, to tell anyone definitively what, what reality is, but I can piece together the evidence that seems strongest to me and the stories that seem uh, connected and most relevant to give people a picture, you know, a picture of how things, things operate. So, um, yeah, I'm not too worried about the mainstream, the, the mainstream media. I don't think that they're mainstream anymore. I think the alternative is where uh, most people are, are leaning in terms of where they're getting, where they're interested in if they really want to learn what's going on and, and recognize how they've been lied to, especially the last few years. It's become so evident. Definitely, man. And uh, I got to admit, like, we've, we've been in this business for, for a, a decade, you know, at least um, where we've been publishing things online and such. And you know, I get back in the days of Alex Jones and stuff talking about the occult and all these, you know, child sex rings and all this. Um, it kind of got bastardized recently, you know, with the QAnon stuff getting it. it and so I just like I, we kind of kind of moved away from that. But I got to say, dude, after uh, watching the best kept secret, um, like the way that you guys presented the facts in there and some of the shit that I've never even heard of, that's absolutely mind blowing, man, like that that Lieutenant Colonel guy, uh, Michael Aquino, like th th there's just, there's so much, um, so much to it. And you, and you tie the facts in so well, like that it's kind of hard to deny, like that you interviewed Michael Aquino for the thing, dude. And this guy's like, he looks like Satan, man. His eyebrows go up like this. And, and he was in like, he was in, you know, he, he was specialized in psychological operations for the U S military. I mean, it doesn't get any more insidious than that. The dude didn't, he, he, carried out like a mock sacrifice and and um and heimlich's uh like the the nazi um like yeah not not a mock sacrifice they just did a ritual yeah they did a ritual in the nazi bevelsberg castle he was very infatuated with himmler right <laughs> right which is sick. zero and this guy's you know he was he was a u.s military like high-ranking u.s military official in psychological operations man like so that's what i want to ask you how long did this take you to tie all this together i know it's um the whole series is a little over an hour, I guess, but, um, or two no, the hours, whole series is, it's over three hours or I just thought it was yeah. only four parts, but six uh, parts, six okay. parts, All yeah. right. 30 minutes each. So about three hours. Okay. I, then I haven't seen the last two then. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that ties a lot together. Yeah. But the, uh, yeah. So, so how long did it take you to get all this together, dude? I mean, it is like, it is a wealth of information and you have it all backed up with, screenshots of documents interviews with officials it's like uh, interviews with people that are still alive old footage it's just it's really amazing it looks really slick too like the trailer yeah. looks amazing like you guys did a great job putting that together yeah yeah thank you no it's it is slick um uh so anyway i was gonna say that the uh the effort began when i started reading about the franklin scandal i could say you know in my college years 2003 probably three four um, that's really when, for me, a lot of the awakening, I was on that path of awakening and, and learning about how the system really works 
Franklin is important to understand the beast system, as we call it, because essentially you're dealing with um, high-level politicians and business people trafficking kids for pedophilic parties and um, reports of, of sacrifice, you know, they actually like actual human sacrifice um, amongst this network or amongst um, the kids basically being witness to, to, to sacrifice and satanic things. Um, the use of blackmail, um, you know, with photography and whatnot, the, the way that the, the whole situation, the whole case was handled, where the main, the chief uh, investigator from the state Senate was, uh, the state Senate appointed an investigator who, whose plane just basically broke up midair, you know, died, um, and his son both were killed. Um, the, uh, the, the, the Justice Department, FBI, basically calling the kids liars, you know, when they, when they tried to give their testimony and actually imprisoning, I think, at least a couple of them, two or three of them. So it's like, it's just a nightmare, basically, of how the system runs and the fact that, that more people didn't know about it. And the fact that DeCamp, you know, who's the guy that wrote the first book investigating at Franklin Coverup, you know, he basically is, you know, one of his mentors was Bill Casey, the former CIA director and Casey, you know, I'm sorry, Colby, not Casey, Colby. And Colby was just like warning him, like, you know, how dangerous this world is. And um, Colby, as we know, ended up probably uh, suicided. Um, you know, he ended up uh, basically leaving his, leaving his, his dinner and half, like half eaten and his body found in the, in the river, I think, like, so uh anyway the point is that uh you have this this very insidious world so i was aware of it um i understand it from the perspective of you know there's cia level you know shenanigans there's um you know economic hitman and assassination of world leaders but then there's also the the literal satanic pedophilic um blackmail compromise uh complete just you know again, complete destruction of, of children that is, that is, uh, allowed to, you know, be, um, how do you say that it's allowed to be protected. And so when, you know, when Epstein comes out later and it's like, yeah, I mean, I knew they, that was just a no brainer to me. And that's why I think it's so funny that people talk about like the Q, like it's wrong, but actually a lot of the Q drops are accurate. They're just codes, you know, it's codes and it's designed in a gamer kind of way to get people involved, to get people to start looking for themselves so that when people start looking at Pizzagate, they start saying, Hey, there's, there's something off about this whole, this whole scenario. You know, it, it stinks. It, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. doesn't add up. People start to like, you know, they start to look at things like the Wayfair um, thing, you know, like a few years ago, people were saying, Hey, why is Wayfair charging, you know, 20,000 for a cabinet with the same name as this girl that just went missing? You know, that's what he was about. He was about activating people to actually take the power and to start to say, hey, we can we can solve stuff. We can actually look critically at what's what's actually being presented to us. We can actually start to pull back the veils that, you know, the media basically proclaims themselves as the what the fourth estate, the the champions of, you know, of truth and all that, you know, all the news that's fit to print. Who decides that? <laughs> right. Who owns the boards? Who owns the corporate boards? you know, that owns the media. Well, it's all, it's all disconnected. <laughs> no, but it's bigger than that. Bigger than, no, bigger than sure. Bezos. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. that's just one example, of Much course. Much higher. Much yeah. higher than Bezos. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned government and the corporate world that a lot of the pedophilia and, and child sex rings are happening. Uh, a lot of our work uh, revolves around police accountability, um, government accountability, but we've seen almost on a weekly basis stories coming out of cops also grooming children, uh, being in sex trafficking rings. Uh, sometimes they're the, even the leaders of ch uh, child sex trafficking rings. Um, same with the military, the top ranks of the military. I mean, these are all stories, headlines that we've covered at the Free Thought Project before. And uh, it, it seems like, yeah, the rabbit hole goes much deeper than a lot of people are willing to uh, try to understand especially with uh, institutions like the military and the police that typically have been uh, indoctrinated into people's minds as, as being like the, the virtuous institutions that you know are here to protect us, uh, protect the country, uphold democracy and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it absolutely goes very deep. You know, what's funny is I, I recently saw a, a meme of Mel Gibson and it said over 10 years ago, everybody thought this guy was crazy. 
And I was probably one of those people, to be honest. Uh, and then there was a quote by his picture of him that said, Hollywood is an institutionalized pedophilia ring. It is a den of parasites who feast on the blood of children. Every studio in Hollywood is bought and paid for with the blood of innocent children. It sounds a bit hyperbolic, and you know, I won't say it's not, but there is certainly a lot of truth to that as well. Well, um, if, it's, if it's a real quote, that's the only problem is if depending, there's a lot of times that quotes get circulated and I've seen it with Gibson or Keanu Reeves or people like that. And they'll, oh, sure. They'll have yeah. a quote out there and it's actually, it's literally done by intelligence agencies and whatnot to, to, to mislead. So what they'll do is oftentimes they'll spread false information intentionally, right? Fake news or whatnot. They'll spread it just like the media spreads fake news all the time. But um, it's designed basically for people in the conspiracy realms to pick up and to then, you know, to then say, oh, you see that, see how stupid these people are. So it's always important. Like I always, you know, try to as, as much as possible, get the original source or just, you know, get to the core, the, get to the essence, because sometimes the essence may be right. The essence of the quote, the essence, the truth might be there. But again, it's like you can't uh, sometimes, you know, because you're getting at, at the greater truth, but you're using something, you're using the wrong evidence. <laughs> it will only, and you say it will only, yep. uh, make you look, you know, like you're, you're misrepresenting things. Sure. 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 Yeah. yeah. I kind of vaguely remember, like, I think he had like a meltdown with his wife and he said two a meltdowns. lot of these two. two meltdowns. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the first one, the big one was he, uh, he basically had this thing where 2006, I think it was 2006 time period. He had like this DUI or something. And like, he basically yes. was like with these women and he was saying how, I think he essentially was saying Jews run Hollywood, but it was, it, it, he may have said much more, I think, because I think so, yeah. but I know the Jews run Hollywood quote is a very dangerous thing to say. I mean, my mm -hmm. father said a similar thing to the, the Jews run, uh, not, not how I say the media basically. Right. And, uh, and he had to apologize for, for his quote. I mean, it was kind of, it's, it's really interesting to see that. Um, but I can't remember the whole thing of what Gibson said, but that was basically when he became a pariah in the, yes. in, in the eyes of Hollywood. Man, and um, during your documentary, you talked about how, like, in the '80s and '90s, some of this stuff was being reported on. It was on like talk shows and, um, you know, various daytime talk shows where they actually talked to these victims who had been, you know, part of these uh, occult practices and shit. And the what I find like most disturbing is that now, like what we were just talking about before we even started the podcast, you asked what platforms it's going to be on. You know, we, there's no way we could put this on YouTube or do anything like that because it's going to be removed as some kind of conspiracy theory or anything like that. It's a, uh, it's, it's disturbing, you know, and um, the like, the, and that you can tell that the the CIA's propaganda campaign that they began, you know, years ago is is so successful that. You know, we people believe like utterly ridiculous stuff, or or they completely dismiss verifiable, real conspiracies, like in this the all this information that you had put in in your in your new docu series. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of a quote by uh, William J. Casey, the former CIA director. You know, mm -hmm. like we'll all know dis our disinformation program is uh, complete when everything the American public believes is a lie. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy, man. That's what I wanted to get your uh, input on what you think could be like a possible solution to fighting through this. I know we have these um, other platforms popping up that are, you know, that try or try to be uh, censorship resistant, like Odyssey and Rumble and whatnot. Um, but other than that, what, what do you think is a solution to, to getting this information out there without it being easily dismissed and, um, you know, and written off with as as the conspiracy theory, as the CIA would put it? I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know because I don't feel like people are, are as gullible as 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 they're assuming. I mean, OK, let's say you've got 50 percent of the population that's gullible. You know, I think maybe up to 70 percent. That's max. Um, but you can't you can't rule the world with 70 percent. And so they have a real problem. And that's what they've come to. I think that they the powers that, you know, that were essentially the, the corporate the corporate state, you know, the, the empire that never died, that's what it's confronted in the last few years is the limitation of its power. The fact that so many people resisted the mandate, so many people essentially resisted um, this, you know, this, this, this invasive uh, totalitarian state that we've seen rolled out. And so 
you know, they, they're doing their best to basically consolidate power, I think, within cities. Um, they're going to obviously continue with their agenda for biofascism, if you want to call it. I mean, essentially, it's going to be merging, as Schwab talks about, the, the digital, physical, and biological identity. But a lot of people are under their game now. So, yeah, I think you're just going to see a splitting off of, of those of us that are like, hey, you know what? We, 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 uh, we, are, we are connected to spirit. We have never lost that that uh that intuition we have never surrendered our sovereignty you know in our in our souls to this to this uh beast you know this, this empire and um and i think you're just going to see a splitting off people that are basically going to merge more and more with the technology they're going to you know become basically part and parcel with the all this you know agenda the the chipping and the, the invasion of your body through i mean the the jab alone was already basically telling you you have no sovereignty over your body and most people didn't even get it you know those that you know, let's say two thirds of the population that got it, but a third saying no, and across the planet half saying no, it's a lot of people. And now even more saying mean. no to the boosters and whatnot. Right. It's less than 30% have gotten a, a booster. So yeah, it, yeah, they duped them the first time, but having a hard time fooling them on the second one. Well, it's becoming evident because how, right. how many people are seeing now, oh shoot, all these kids are dropping. Oh wow, you know, so-and-so yeah. just, just, you know, just dropped, so-and-so got cancer, so-and-so heart, heart disease. like. You know, it's difficult because nature catches up, you know, reality catches up to you. So all you want, you know, you can, they're going to use everything they can to manipulate, to, 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 to control, but they can't control everyone. And that's where they're, they're fundamentally going to lose. Every empire loses because it cannot, it has overreach. And eventually it gets to that place where it, it tries to, to mine too much, to expect too much, to demand too much, to, to exploit too much. And it goes bankrupt in the process. And that's, I think, that's the moment we're at now. So it's really interesting to see what's going to come here as maybe, you know, two systems sort of vie for, how do you say, one system that's a B system vies against a natural, more holistic way of being um, that that uh, people like us represent. And so, of course, we're going to have, you know, I mean, look, the fact that whether or not we like Elon Musk, there's something to this whole bit for Twitter. <laughs> I mean, it's just to say, like, you know, I, I'm always... I'm always curious about these kind of things because, you know, people get too literal sometimes when they look at things and like, oh, it's all controlled opposition. I'm like, no, it's not because you're, you know, it's like it's assuming that that there's like one almighty power that has everyone under its grasp. And it's not the case. Even those that are in positions of power vie with each other. Their cousins do kill each other, do hate each other. You know, there's a lot of infighting. And so. You know, to me, it was like what Trump represented against uh, the globalists was a nationalist. You know, maybe it's maybe it's part of the oligarchy, you know, perhaps. Yeah. But it's still a more of a nationalist perspective. And that's why a lot of people woke up in that in the last few years. So we can't get too literal about these things and go, well, they're all Masons, this and that. Yeah. OK, so what you're dealing with different spirits, you're different, different beings that actually, you know, that have different orientations. When Elon Musk said, hey, most of these elites are out here saying we're overpopulated. Musk said, I actually think we're underpopulated. That's a, you see, that's that's already understanding something that none of the uh, the satanic elite want to acknowledge because they all right. want us to believe that we're overpopulated, that we need to be, you know, checking the population, controlling At 500 our, our, our million, <laughs> or whatever it may be. I mean, some will say, you know, some will say that's a couple billion, some will say 500 million. Again, I'm not saying that they're all in agreement. This is where this is where the conspiracy psychology gets too much. Mm -hmm. It becomes too paranoid yes. because it basically believes that Satan runs everything, and I believe God runs everything. Actually, I'm someone that's actually pretty I'm pretty calm about everything. I'm pretty relaxed about where we're we're going ultimately. Yeah, it seems on par with the types of conspiracy theorists who will see any type of event and immediately attribute it to being a false flag or uh, you know some type of uh, something that's planned, orchestrated event. Of course, you know, with nuance here, we have to acknowledge that those things do happen. And we always have to be looking through that lens to properly, you know, analyze the situation, ask the questions about the official story and whatnot. But some people just automatically assume that, that that's the case. So I'm glad that you're you're kind of bringing in a little bit new, more nuance to that conversation, yeah. because I think it's, it's important to, to talk about that, because a lot of people do get a lot of clicks. They do get a lot of views. And they do make money from being the first person to throw out a conspiracy theory on some of these topics. And, you know, I, I just want to say there is like confirmation bias on both sides. It's not just like the normies or the, the mainstreamers or the corporate world that's looking for confirmation bias. So are conspiracy theorists when a lot of times they're trying to 
uh, attribute some of these things to being false flags when we don't really have the evidence. Sometimes there is like the recent Brooklyn shooting, you know, right. well, they found a credit card on, on the scene of the, the shooter and they automatically know it's the shooters and they don't tell us who the witness was who saw it pop out of his back pocket. And of course, the surveillance systems were down. So I'm not saying that these things don't happen, but I think it's important to, yeah, acknowledge that it's not always black and white. Well, it's important to know, like when the lamestream media is pushing something, there's an agenda to it. Right. True. So it's like yeah. there can be like, you know, how do you say many there are any number of events, you know, like recently like someone pointed out, like just a few days ago, I think uh, was it like Syria was bombed again from, you know, from uh, our forces and whatnot. But like the mainstream, the lamestream media won't talk about that. They don't they're there. They, they want you fixated 100 percent on Ukraine. So if they have an event where they can play it up and turn it into like a, a national news cycle for days or, or weeks or whatever, um, then, yeah, you have to be suspicious of false flag staged. And again, these are different things. This is where a lot of people are, are, they have to like grow in their understanding. Like a false flag doesn't mean no one died. And that's where people are like, oh, you're, you know, you think no one died. It's like, no, a false flag just means that the party that you think is guilty isn't the one that's guilty, you know, like 9-11. Right. You know, it doesn't mean no one died. So when people start throwing around, they're like, oh, you think no one died because you said it was a false flag. I like, you see, now you're just you're just muddying the waters here, you know, and it's like and then people get into this whole thing where like they're the, oh, I can't listen to him because he doesn't think there were planes on 9-11. Well, look, I mean, there's there's a there's a there's a serious problem with 747s hitting those towers. Now, it doesn't mean that there weren't planes. It just means was it those two passenger planes that we that we we were told were hit the towers. The problem being that, as John, uh, John Lear pointed out years ago it's like the speed once you get to that altitude 747s or their 767s maybe but like they don't they they see at that altitude they have to go so they wouldn't be going uh their top speed at a, at a, like a thousand feet in the air right where they were it was like of what 1500 feet in the air so in order to descend to that level you can't keep that cruising altitude of 300 miles an hour or whatever it is right you'd have to go to a slower speed and now you can you hit steel frame buildings at that out at that altitude at that speed, John Lear is saying, you probably wouldn't have penetrated the building. And if you're operating, a, if you're operating, a, an op, if you're running an operation, you cannot allow for error. You can't just say, well, shoot, they, you know, they have to penetrate those buildings. You have to make sure that that you have something that actually impacts those buildings in a way, in such a way as to cause an explosion in order to trigger the actual event, which is the takedown of the towers using controlled demolition so it's like people get too hooked onto their their theory and then they they think anyone else who says a different theory is controlled opposition an agent wrong and it's like no we have to listen to people's evidence and present it and just and hear you know hear different theories there isn't you know they don't have to be so caught up in our this is the way it was none of us knows unless we were in on the operation and even if we were in an operation i bet you we wouldn't even know there are people that are in on the operation that were involved in different aspects like guys that were involved in and i heard about this years ago from a friend who's like you know guys that were involved with putting the actual uh, detonators into the buildings you know like that's different you know you, you it's compartmentalized you're not going to be putting those into the building maybe you're being told hey we're going to demolish this building come uh september so we need to get it rigged up for demolition who knows the point is it's, you know, unless you're the mastermind, you really can't say for sure definitively, I know what happened and dismiss everyone who comes with a different theory. Right. And that's the problem with shutting down discourse, because yes. it often allows for one controlled narrative to take the to take the main stage and it's not challenged. And even if that narrative is completely counterproductive to human progress, you know, it's, it'll uh, it'll it'll still be the prominent one. And that's dangerous. You know, that's a, that's how you get a whole country to support a war and. You get people cheering for you know nuclear war with Russia right now. That, that and <laughs> because of the narrative control, and it's getting it's just getting worse and worse. You know, Google Google came out last week and said that they're going to pull ads from people who uh, who counter the official narrative on Ukraine. Uh, you know, on a on a, and they're going to be the ones that deem that whatever that questioning is. It's a uh, it's it's ridiculous, man. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And you you said earlier the the I wanted to ask you. You said earlier about uh, you know Satan and god running everything i was going to ask you if you actually believe in this like satan incarnate and do you think that these people that are participating in these sick acts that that you cover in uh best kept secret do you think that they actually all feel like they're connected to this satanic figure or do you do you think that a lot of them are going along with it like the 
the freaks that that Alex Jones exposed at Bohemian Grove, you know, back in the day, where they were where they were worshiping at the uh, the idol of Moloch, you know, the the satanic fucking uh, ostrich or owl, yeah, and um, ostrich owl, <laughs> and and they were all, you know, Alex Jones described them as all having their teeth, um, you know, grinding their teeth, and they're pretending to sacrifice a baby. And there were like lots of heads of state there, very prominent figures in the media and everything else. And um, like, I, the, it just makes it blows my mind, you know, like they have to do that. Are they believing this or do you think that they're going along with some one figure who is believes this and is attached to it? Or or, um, or do you think that they have they feel compelled to go along with that just so they don't get outcasted from there? I know this is a lot of questions, man, but I'm just trying, you know, uh, it, just like that. Like, that, do you think that all these people think that they have a connection to like a satanic figurehead and that it no. gives them power? Or do you think that they're going along with a cult that they're in where only one that. or two people think that they have that? No, it's not even that. It's not even that. I mean, the Grove, uh, you know, People are there, like, they look at it like it's very operatic. I mean, you watch it, it's like this sort of brilliantly beautiful ritual that has like a macabre, you know, element to it. But most people are there just looking at it like a play. Um, they're not there, you know, thinking they're they're in sacrificing a child. I mean, that's that's not where most of their people, most of them would, you know, how do you say, would, would take it. It's um, good because, because everything, everything in ritual is done multidimensionally so when you're you say consciousness is such that we can like one person can experience a, a masonic ceremony initiation for example right and just sees it at the materialistic level like i'm just going into this and speaking words you start to expand consciousness become aware become energy energy sensitive start to know what's what elements what multi what spirits they can call it, you know, multidimensional beings are involved, are feeding, are engaging, are watching. So the problem that we have as humans is that um, we're basically being tasked to expand our awareness to the multi to the to the multidimensional framework, which is energy based, right? Because that's what quantum physics allowed us to understand. So quantum physics was born, you know, recently to basically give us language and scientific understanding of things that were mystical before that were left to the mystics that were left to the the secret schools the secret teachings now it's becoming no there's actually some science to actually help you understand it and it will continue to help us understand if we you know for those of us that are ready to to see it they're the reason they're pushing the science so hard and the material doctrine materialist doctrine of darwinism and such so hard is because they want people divorced from spirit they want people thinking that life is just some random mutation and is meaningless. Uh, so this philosophy, these belief systems obviously have to run their course. And much of the agenda that's at really at work here is, is various satanic philosophies, but satanic in the sense of anti-life. And, you know, whether it's the GMO crops that are now being, you know, GMO goes from the crop level to the human level, genetic modification of the human, um, the synthetics, that have been sprayed all over the chemical synthetics that are sprayed all over our crops that are put into our water supply, you know, the glyphosate and other things that are literally poisoning us. All these things are satanic. Now the people that are doing it, do they know they're Satanists? No, they're not. Some of them, some of them do. Some of them understand that because some of them have that connection. Some of them are controlled by demons. Some of them are at, at these cult rituals, but most don't. Most are just, can you say they're either sociopaths or they're operating within a satanic system that they can't even see as satanic. Maybe they've had glimpses of it. Maybe they've had like moments, but most people have cognitive dissonance. They don't want to know I, I, that I'm just doing my job. I'm just working for a pharmaceutical company. I'm just making money. All these things, satanic actually, in their nature of how they operate and how they exploit and how they co-opt and how they lie. Uh, and how, you know, again, like, look, Pfizer's what the, the biggest, uh, the, the, they had the, they, they, they have the biggest lawsuit, the biggest criminal lawsuit, basically. Did anyone go to criminal jail? Penalties, for that? The largest criminal penalty. Yeah, did anyone go to jail for that? No, no. no. <laughs> so what, I mean, what does that tell you? Does that mean that there's, that they're all Satan is going to, you know, to, to worship this, this thing? No, not all of them. 
some of them might be some of them might be part of like a higher but it's like when you understand that there's a there's a cult system but it's it's occulted it's hidden so you have to be at a certain awareness and level to be able to go and actually know what's behind the curtain most people don't get to go there most people aren't you know they don't they're not ready for that they're not they're not consciousness that can't handle that they're not pure like they're not true like there's different aspects of the satanic agenda as i'm saying there are those that are just operating within a satanic system they're sociopathic they're perpetuating satanic philosophies and beliefs but you know are they actually part of the cabal the hidden the hidden you know rulers the ones that actually know what they're doing they actually understand the occult nature of it probably not not most of them speaking of understanding this stuff better um there's people like Mark Passio. I'm not familiar. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work. Yeah, he's, in, he's in best kept secret. Oh, awesome. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, he really did a lot to wake me up in my beginning years, but he often talks about occultism symbolism. Um, who are some people that you find to be kind of like mentors in this field or thought leaders? Is there anybody that you kind of, uh, you, maybe you've read and you're still trying to kind of understand their full entire philosophy or, is there any pity you could maybe just point the finger in a direction people could find more information besides, you know, of course, watching the best kept secret <laughs> or your dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, his philosophy is clear to me. I don't, I don't think um, you're saying that, that I, that I'm trying to, I'm still working on, or I find fascinating to study or yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's, different, there's different points of entry here. Sure. I mean, just, I don't know if we, our audience really dives this deep. We're more in like government accountability, police accountability. So, I mean, if you could point like the direction of where people can maybe uh, a few thought leaders or names or yeah, people need to know is what they need to get into is natural law. Okay, sure. Natural law, because you can't, you can't have accountability to, you know, within that system. You know, it's like the bar, it's like the bar association, you know, the British accreditatory registry, you know, the, every, every lawyer being, you know, given an Esquire title and then what they have to regulate themselves. And the judge is basically what a lawyer that has, that regulates the other lawyers and they have to represent you because you have no agency because you're a drowned man. You're not a, a living man within a maritime corporatocracy or an ancient Roman empire that never died. I mean, it's like what, if we don't actually have sovereignty over our being, we can't lay claim to anything in the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. That's why they've been able to run run everything like roughshod over everything. Sure, you know, create a Federal Reserve system and issue money that was completely unconstitutional. Well, it's a corporate state, the corporation of the United States, domiciled in D.C. That's why we don't have like we don't have dominion of as we as as sovereign individual peoples as the republic. We have no dominion anymore. The corporation does. That's why right. they can do what they're doing. So it's like, what accountability are you talking about? The police force that they're, as Jordan Maxwell always said, they're police. They enforce policy. They're, for, they're, they're enforcing policy. As my friend put it, the police have no right to ever pull you over. There's only three bases they can pull you over. If there's a federal warrant, or sorry, the, if there's been a warrant issued for your arrest, if they've seen you commit a felony, or if you, they want your assistance in putting down a riot. <laughs> so it's like we have, but they've created this whole matrix yeah of martial laws of you know juris you know different jurisdictions um you know the the accountability is is like it's so it's so nefarious and like the engines are that are policing it are who the system watching itself yes no exactly. wonder you can't get justice Exactly. We we put we propose a lot of solutions to all these things, and a lot of them are, have to do with voluntary interactions rather than forced interactions and and competition in the market when it comes to security, like police. Not not where American law enforcement has monopoly on on these ideas, and that's why that's why it's so screwed up. You know, another reason, it, like you said, it's a corporate uh, corporate America, but it's also you know it's these they hold they maintain their corporate monopolies by not allowing anybody else to compete with them in that market which in turn, you know, creates corruption and it actually breeds corruption. Conflict and, of interest. Right, right. And it allows for anybody, I mean, that power attract, like uh, Lord uh, John Dalborg Acton said, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So these people seek out these positions of power so they can implement their ill will. And, and most people are completely oblivious to that. You know, like it, most people won't dive into natural law. Like you said, you know, they, most people won't even touch the surface. They'll be like, I voted and, and shit didn't change, you know, they, they'll, but I'm going to vote harder next time. You know, like this is, 
we're, we've been playing in their system for so long that so many people think that that's the only way and it's it's certainly not and i, I love the fact that you brought up uh natural law like that man mm -hmm. yeah. same yeah, yeah i just I don't see another way i don't see another way chomsky said you know they don't even know that they don't know which is uh yeah but i even, can't even cite chomsky anymore i mean that no guy, man but, after yeah, he did that <laughs> take away their freedom shit dude i was over it i was right? are, are you fucking kidding me yeah dude you, you want to mandate max vaccines after everything that you've said for your entire life dude you're gonna throw it all away right now i mean away from society, i can't discount right? all of his yeah. you know some of his profound work that he's you know put out in the past so I, but that was that was well, dumb. <laughs> there was no, I can't believe he actually I, went that route. I think man. he revealed himself in many ways. You see, maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, people like Larouche and others used to always make fun of Chomsky. They call him Chimsky and stuff. And they basically, you know, it's like the problem with with how do you say? I think fundamentally, people like Chomsky, they're they're, they're materialists. So they're operating within satanic philosophies. You know, a lot of the socialist thing is, you know, a lot of this vaccine stuff was. Remember, it was a lot of it was pushing. The collectivist yep. agenda you know we all have to be this together we all have to be part of the borg right. <laughs> come yep. join the borg be part of the hive you know major aspect of socialism sure some of the things we were just talking about it, it feels like you know our parents dropped the ball in many ways and their parents and it, yeah we're kind of just running the course now and we're, we're finally catching up to a lot of the negative attributes unforeseen consequences that these laws and policies have fallen finally kind of um, manifested, you know, of course, not your, not your dad. That's an exception right there. Cause he's, <laughs> he, he's done more than enough to uh, wake people up. But, um, a while back, you, you had mentioned that, um, consent they're, they're really trying to work on taking away our consent. And that's something that I've been very vocal about too, over the past two years now is that, I mean, if you take a step back and you look at the control mechanisms in our lives, consent is one of the very last things that we actually have control over through our own sovereignty. And yeah, the fact that so many people are just willing to flush it down the toilet, including Chomsky, you know, just to, uh, to, you know, buy into the propaganda myths, you know, to save grandma, um, you know, cause we all need to do our part, all these surface platitudes and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, that, that to me seems like probably the most important factor of the work that we're doing right now is to really make sure people understand that like this, concept of consent is something that we don't ever get back you know like once mm -hmm. that's given up to the, the claimed authorities it's not something that we'll we'll ever see back at least probably not in our lifetime especially if we look at a lot of despotic states uh dictator dictator ruled states you know that's not something that just shifts uh, back to the people over a course of time no um, it doesn't shift back unless you have a, a again the consciousness has to get to a critical mass there has to be a certain point where um you know, again, there's there, there's enough desire because, again, a lot of these things are manifest beyond our physical purview. You know, we don't necessarily know, we don't see where the next it's like you know, you're on the ocean, right? You don't see where that, that where the things underneath the, the ocean are churning up and the next tide and that storm is coming. I mean, we don't see it visibly. So we can't be too concerned with how these things are going to shift. Um, and I don't agree that we can never get our consent back. We can always at any moment. That's the beauty of natural law. It's actually always about saying, no, I proclaim at any moment, I revoke the power that I give to you. And it's just like, you know, it's like the nightmare on Elm Street, you know, I don't believe, I don't have fear of you anymore. So sure. yes, at any moment we can take it back. At any moment we can actually like claim to, you know, to common law or natural law to start, you know, to start, uh, to start organizing around certain principles, right? I believe at any moment that's possible. It's just, uh, yes, you're talking historically, the empire will roll out and it will never, you know, give you those rights back. But you know what? No, God gave us our rights. That's the Declaration of Independence. Our Constitution lays it out, but the Declaration of Independence already says it's it's every man and woman is born, you know, with certain certain principles, right, of life, the desire for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And uh, you know, essentially, we have this again. It's it's basically a natural law experience. You know, against tyranny will never stand. So if we go back to that at any moment, which is our, you know, our birthright. And also like even the Bible, you know, if you talk about like what, what are the Ten Commandments, you know, everything else is just, what's that for? It's commercial law. <laughs> it's just sure. a whole series of commercial yeah. laws, you know, designed right. to basically make money off you. That's all it is. Puts you into sure. debt. No, I appreciate the distinction, man. And, and you're right. Yeah. 
it's a tricky one, right? Uh, again, there's nuance because I mean, the same thing could apply to their claimed authority. I mean, um, they don't actually have authority. They weren't born with authority. It's a, a, a label that they wrap around themselves and they give themselves extra privileges and rights. Um, so I guess that's more where I'm coming from. It's one thing if we declare our natural sovereignty, uh, it's a whole nother thing if they actually honor it and acknowledge it, you know, but, um, much to what you've you've said, though, uh, the tides have turned. It doesn't take the majority. It doesn't take the 70 percent. It's usually the vocal minority that makes change in any given uh, society throughout history. So um, in that sense, we're, we are winning and we are winning the info war. I think that's safe to say it's um, going to be a long fight. But the fact that they are pushing so hard with the censorship. The fact that they feel they have to censor us in the first place means that we're threatening them. Absolutely. So. And uh, they even talked about it last year. I remember one of the um, WHO conferences or something, they were talking about how like the anti-vaxxers were spreading at like eight times the rate of the, uh, you know, the pro-vax. And, and um, yeah, I mean, the point is that the vocal minority, thankfully, is such an insane group of leftists that I think most people, most people are being forced to, to make a choice and just to wake up, you know. So it's actually a good thing when the when the vocal minority is is truly insane <laughs> that you can actually <laughs> get a lot of people on your side. Sure. Yeah, they're eating themselves alive right now, man. The the woke left is uh, it's imploding, and there's a lot of people jumping ship and it, ship, and it's awesome to see, you know. Like I don't, I don't find the left right paradigm there that like there's some good there's good on the right and the left obviously and uh you know i think that jumping ship not in towards the center but towards a, a like a, a more freer and prosperous society and i think that the woke left's doing a great job of converting people on a daily basis to that <laughs> yeah exactly exactly because it's like the bill mars of the world like this is not why i was i made myself a democrat <laughs> right exactly yeah you got like really like hardcore left-leaning people like that coming out you know and 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 separating themselves from this insanity i mean pansexual lizard people that believe they're cats you know like that you can't <laughs> That that like, if you want to look at some in your in the in your in the docu series that you have, uh, you talked about infiltrating schools. You were quoting a document. I can't remember what document it was, but uh, part of the plan was to infiltrate schools. And and um, tell you what, man, that's <laughs> if, they, if they don't know that they're carrying out some really dark shit in schools by trying to teach children, uh, you know, like tell children that they're they can be any sex or anything that they want. Um, at age five, you know, or four years old, I think that, that that's some really, really dark nonsense that uh, that it's whoever is behind that has got to be just an insidious player in this whole role. I mean, I don't, I don't get very involved in stuff like that, but it's 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 just this shit is mind blowing to me. The fact that there's a large portion of society that are actually get behind that and and actually advocate for it and, and up to and including like Disney, you know, <laughs> and while hypocritically opening up places and uh you know or spreading their service to countries who openly execute people for being gay you know they're mm. they're mm -hmm. they're standing out against this like against indoctrinating children into this weird uh like what used to be a, a psychological disorder you know and they want to just send children right into this and i i mean i'm not against transsexuals or anything like this i think that if you want to identify as whatever you want you can do so but uh removing the parents from this decision or anything and, and let it allowing the state to to dictate to children what is reality what is sexual reality i think that's there's some dark intent behind that and i i don't like that at all i mean uh i mean what is what are your thoughts you think it's tied to this entire uh, it's, I know. this type of course it's all tied it's all tied because there's there's a few factors um there's the there's there's a spiritual understanding that we are masculine and feminine and there is the fact of the divine feminine rising so that also includes within men there is uh there is this then there's the physical expression of that which the dark side then understanding that pushes for oh don't marry don't do the divine marriage the uh what's it the alchemical marriage right which is like the male and female like don't and into the hermaphrodite figure or essentially like the um that's like at one level it can be androgyny or hermaphrodite basically representing both sexes like that's an alchemical symbol <laughs> so it's like they took the, they took the spiritual connotation of that and they said no you actually 
you should become transgender. What they're pushing is actually um, it's it's population control because they don't want you know it's it's, it's literally it's con population control has two meanings one limit the population, limit reproduction, right? And we've seen that with various Gates Foundation studies and others about, you know, trying to put uh, the birth control into vaccines and to push Planned Parenthood and all these things, right? They actually want to limit population. That's one aspect. Then there's actually, how do you control the population at the level that, look, the Chinese a few years ago talked about how they had created artificial sperm. And we know of like the, the whole concept of artificial insemination. So now we're talking like, are they going to try to basically create this brave new world society amongst the the what were they called like the deltas in the book and it's like the masked basically the masked subclass that uh, still walks around with masks and you know must be vaxxed and basically cannot reproduce unless you know they can afford it and then they have to like go and you know pay you know to pay to go you know go to the clone center or whatever they want to call it you know the the uh uh the rep you know rep replications center to basically have their child i mean this is like this is not far-fetched. I talked to someone recently who was amongst the people that go to the World Economic Forum, and he's all for genetic modification of his kids, you know, all for the idea of, hey, I'm going to splice and dice uh, those, you know, my sperm and those eggs and get the get the baby that I want. I mean, this is where we're going. And it's hard, again, like people are starting to see how the whole school system was always screwed up. What we're talking about with like sexual identification and, you know, sex ed and all that stuff being, you know, prime, you know, priming kids way too young. Well, shoot, the whole system was already geared in the wrong way because what were they teaching your kids in the first place? Were they teaching them real history? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Indoctrination. They, you know, how, much, how much of the school system was designed exactly to indoctrinate, not to teach critical thinking, not to actually, um, you know, again, like, yeah, there's definitely principles that I'm, I'm all for in favor of, like teaching the scientific method, teaching mathematics, uh, reading, and all these things, great. But like the whole indoctrination process, as we know, that goes through the education system, this is why my first book, New World Order, was all about who is Kissinger's mentor, and how they use, you know, they the, the foundations and others, you know, sponsor the sponsor the various uh, departments at Harvard's and the various school systems, right, to basically perpetuate ideologies and belief structures to control the youth, you know, and it it, it goes to, it goes from level to level, you know, it started off with the whole nature of like how kids were basically put into Prussian standardized schools be you know over 100 years ago thanks to rockefeller and company um because you know again a lot of the elite they use things like steiner schools you know waldorf and other you know that more more relaxed more creative schools but then they send you know the kids to the common core kind of nonsense right where it's just like it's it leaves these kids literally like i hate to say it but like half you know half retarded or backwards i mean a lot of them just they don't have the base, like they were saying in Washington and Oregon, they're like, they don't even have basic uh, math skills. So we're going to get rid of math because <laughs> like, we're not even teaching them properly. So we might as well just get rid of it. I mean, really absurd stuff, but the well, math is clearly that, racist. Yeah, exactly. It's racist because they're, they're, I mean, again, these are, these schools are more like prisons, you know, they're not conducive. To, and, 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 and I mean, look, I, I, I went to a good private school and I hated school because it's not conducive to creativity. You don't feel like you're, you know, you don't feel inspired sitting in a box. I mean, you got to be like Plato out there with, you know, or Socrates out there, you know, communing in nature and, you know, talking to people and having dialogue and challenging and posing questions, you know, having a discourse that's inspiring. So again, the whole nature of the education system is screwed. And I think they think, thankfully, the last few years have push people to say, I'm taking my kids out of this nonsense. We're going to start our own. And why not get together with 10 friends or, you know, six friends, hire a private teacher. Each, each person can provide skills of their own. You know, occasionally, you know, the parent will drop in and do it, you know, do a course for the week or, you know, teach something, you know, teach gardening, teach other things, teach things that are relatable, you know, and the kids already are going to be curious. I mean, that's, that, that's the nature of kids. They're beautiful in that sense. They're curious, you know, you just got to inspire them a little bit. And then next, you know, they're reading on their own and they're, you know, wondering about something and they'll look it up. So I think that this is basically the death knell. What's happening with the sexual war around like the, the, the schools and stuff is basically the death knell of what was already a toxic mm -hmm. system, because that's where it began. All these sociopaths were groomed in the school systems, you know, they came out of it. They came out of that psychology of, you know, I'll just, I'll just do whatever it takes to get ahead and stay focused on my discipline so that I can end up becoming a doctor so I can prescribe you with the, the vaccination <laughs> or whatever drugs, you know, that Pfizer and, and uh, Moderna and all these companies, Bayer and all these companies are killing you with. You know, it's not like the, it's not like the, the, these people are geniuses coming out of the school system. They're the ones, they're the first people to shoot themselves up with the, with the, you know, the mRNA toxin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> no, Michael, they are. Michael Malice makes a great point. He he mentioned that uh, the only place people generally ever have had any physical altercation in their life are public schools. And uh, I mean, yeah, it makes sense, right? I mean, we don't often have these types of conflicts uh, in any other places in life. And um, just the layout and, and the, the formulas that public schools use to us very similar to um, you know what prisons uh, consist of. So yeah, you're, you're spot on there. Um, but I know we're getting close to the hour mark now, and uh, we should probably start to wrap things up. I did have one question. Um, I know we mentioned your father a, a few times, um, but we didn't really talk too much about him because your work kind of stands on its own anyway. Uh, but being a longtime fan of the silver screen, I'd be remiss um, to not ask you, like, what do you think the biggest impact your father had on your person you've become and the activist you've become? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could say a lot of things. I think for me, the, uh, the, one of the, there's a few things that relate to the activism because, um, you know, he always told me like idio in Greek, idiot in Greek basically is like this, uh, this person who's not, uh, politically in, involved, right? It was like the, uh, someone who's not engaged in pol politics is really just, it's social, it's, it's interacting with our society. It's, it's basically how we, you know, as, as Aristotle said, man is a political animal it's like how we engage with each other there's a political component to it and so i think my father really showed me how we can't divorce social uh, our social life or our entertainment or things like this from our political life and you know for better or for worse i mean some people argue like his you know his films can be too political but i think that the main idea is that there's always a, there's always an impact uh through uh, you know through the choices that we make the lifestyles that we promote or you know the, the films we, we again we tell stories as storytellers you know that can can affect the body politic and affect the social life of beings and whether or not we realize that we are right so when you know media is selling us lifestyles or you know you name it you know going back to the days of i would love i love lucy you know like what is normal what is a normal uh you know uh middle class life look like i mean all these things have been reflected to us and oftentimes modeled for us right from those from that point forward across the across the era like the, the reality that we think of is oftentimes given to us by hollywood and so and the media so uh, true. You know, and the news so it's really important to be aware of what you're projecting out there for people so i think that was really what more than anything my father taught me it's a great answer man Absolutely. yeah and you actually get that out of the way right in the beginning of the docuseries about how there's the the what you're projecting can be seen at different times and every time that you were just introducing your the the first episode you know you're creating a million different interactions that hopefully millions of different interactions you know between of consciousness between all kinds of random people who you'll never meet but that will all have this same memory or or go down the same path but uh yeah i was trying i can't explain it as eloquently as you did in there but uh it, yeah that's it's amazing man well thank you guys all right, guys. So please don't forget to consider donating or subscribing. If you appreciate the work we do, go to the freethoughtproject.com at the top. You'll find all the tabs for that. Also check out our merch. We have a store there, stickers, t-shirts, and follow us on social media. As we mentioned, you know, we're on 16 different social media platforms. Um, and also just one last thing, please review, rate this podcast. If you enjoyed it, that helps us reach more people and check out Sean's website. It's seanstone.info. Uh, we already talked about his best kept secret documentary i wanted to talk about we didn't really have time but you have a four-week master series called the art of success yeah um, which well, it's yeah. four part it's it's basically we're running at the end where this is the last today and next thursday the last days we're doing live and then it'll live online so it's in four parts the art of success and it's a workshop interactive workshop that people can uh, even if they can't make make it for the live they can they can download it or just i should say interact with it online how do they Perfect. get to that um the best is just through seanstone.info all my okay. links to all my work live there on that website that'll be at the below this podcast for everybody who's listening yeah we'll put them all all the links in the description is there anything else you wanted to plug or, or mention no i'm just you know again i uh really happy to converse and uh the website's the best way to link and people can find me on social media if they want to connect to subscribe ask you know to my website subscribe to my, my website uh reach out with questions whatnot awesome yeah man you've been doing so much you know it's hard to keep track of all of it i said that to matt earlier when we were doing a little research for the show and i mean yeah it's really impressive how uh how much you've really taken under 
uh, your wing and, and you have under your belt with all the work that you've done. So keep up the great work, man. And thank, thank you so you. much. For yeah, definitely. Us. Great talk, dude. Thanks, guys. Take right, care. Man. Peace.